Hey, welcome to the Low Key Podcast. I'm Tim Malloy. With me this week is Keith Benny. We don't have Aaron Lanton with us this week because uh, I don't know if we should blow up his spot, but his family is a little bit better, bigger than it used to be. And I guess better than it used to be too. Yeah. Um, so he's got some stuff going on that's keeping him understandably busy. Congratulations, Aaron. Um, yeah. Love to your whole family. And mm. we've got another thing to celebrate today. Um, we've been kind of teasing this in previous episodes, but we don't just talk about movies. Keith actually has made a movie. And <laughs> the process right now, it's principal photography is done. It's about to go It's with the editor. Can we just talk about how you did this whole amazing thing, especially now? Um, oh, that's a good question. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I think, see, see, I ain't used to being interviewed, being put on the spot. So <laughs> let me get my thoughts together. I mean, I think I think because of like where we was where we was at, I really didn't have as many distractions. First off, from the from the initial process of writing a script, honestly, yeah. and and I think it was really easy for me because I was connected with some people that I you know kind of worked on set with on their projects, and we collaborated and they worked as a producer, and so like as far as all of the I guess you could say like logistics and technicalities. I didn't, I didn't really deal with that. I was free to just focus on the creativity of the film itself. Um, we made sure that our cast and crew was safe, um, that the, um, the main cast had COVID tests and, you know, there was, there was mask on set for pretty much everybody except for the actors that were being shown, of course. And for like extras, we, we specifically had people come out that were in the same household. Yeah. Um, which I thought was an ingenious idea um, that my um, assistant director had brought up. And I don't know, it just, it just all worked out. So. I mean, what I like about this, especially first that I know somebody who just up and made a movie, but also that, you know, you have a normal nine to five job. You're a normal person like me you're someone who just was like, I'm going to make a movie and you did it. And it's one of the hardest things you can do. And I think there's a sense that like you have to live in Hollywood. You have to know somebody, you have to have all these, you know, things at your back. And you were just like, no, I'm going to make my own luck. I'm going to make my own fortune. I got to read the script when you first wrote it. I thought it was great. And then you put it together really, really fast. Like what's your, what's in your background that made you confident enough to take this on when so many people don't? I think um I think personally I I've been wanting to to make a film for a while like I've done a couple like small short films back when I was in college and a lot of times for me it's always situations where I meet people who are just as passionate or more passionate about my project than I am yeah. and so I was fortunate to run into people like that that were, that had more of a background in filmmaking and putting these things together. Um, and I think, and I also think it's good to, to play into your strengths, right? Like, I, I, I'm not a cinematographer or anything of that, that nature, but I, I feel like I know how to tell a story. Yeah. So I just focused on those strengths, like developing character, 
um, because and by the time my actors came to me and they had questions and so on and so forth, I was able to answer them right away because I put so much focus and emphasis on character and story. Yeah. And played to those strengths. And I felt confident in that because I would consistently on a daily basis, I would go over my script. I would think about my characters, think about simple things like what is it that they want? Yeah. Um, what is the, what is the um, philosophical message behind the film in a sense? Yeah. And another part of that was um, even with making it, I never made like a romance film before, mm-hmm. never written anything like that. And, but I knew that my, my friend that I collab- collaborated with, he had a, he, he a real softy for those type of films. Right. <laughs> I knew if I wrote like a, a sci-fi film or some type of, you know, mystery thriller, he might not be as down to, you know, work with me. And they go back to, you know, working with someone that's just as passionate about the project as you are. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I just thought about developing something like that that was challenging, but also that um, I can actually talk about, I guess, because these are experiences that I've had or other people I know have had and hopefully be relatable to certain people so yeah i don't want to give too much away but it's basically about somebody who's tempted to cheat um can yeah. you sort of give like the the, bit, the basic version of it with no spoilers yeah so in the store we have our protagonist which is logan and she's a um, young woman that's been in a relationship for over 10 years um she feels like she is growing apart from the person that she's been with this whole time and you know just a chance encounter she meets a guy that she thinks could or could not be her soulmate you know um and she she's tempted to you know like like you say not only just cheat but but leave a relationship to possibly see what's what's here on the other side possibly yeah really Um, interesting mm mm-hmm and um, I wanted it to be more too with this character, with her to be more like she's more into like spirituality and things like that. So when she meets this this new guy, she feels like he's literally talking my language and that there is some deeper connection there. Yeah, that's like the worst situation possible for a relationship where it's not just that you're like attracted to another person, but you think that they get you on a higher level than the person you're with gets you. Right. Yeah, because it's different if you just want to jump somebody's bones, right? There's always attractive people out there. You know? that's, that's very easy to just avoid and, you know, push your way through. But when it's right. like a question of who you are, that's that's rough. That's like maybe you're in the wrong relationship. Exactly. Man, I think your dialogue, I've said this before on here, but I think you're so good at dialogue and you just, people sound like they really sound in real life. Do you have any like tricks for doing that? I mean, do you act it out? Do you, you know, talk it out with friends? Like, how do you do it? So with writing dialogue, I'm mostly, for one, I don't think I'm that good at writing dialogue personally. (laughs) Uh, But then again, I am comparing myself to people that I think write the best dialogue ever. So, (laughs) but um, I think, yeah, I, I just act it out amongst myself and and I and it I think also to write dialogue, it, it does really depend on I guess the type of dialogue, of course. Yeah. 
like I love how people talk in like those in shows like Game of Thrones and stuff. I like that like old English medieval shit. Yeah. But I don't know. I've never tried to write that before. And I, I and even though I even read those type books, I it doesn't come to me as naturally as like people speaking in jargon that I'm familiar with. Yeah. And and or just being a being around people when you're out and just listening to them talk being a a, a fucking weirdo, but <laughs> there's a certain rhythm to the way that people talk, you know. Um yeah, it's funny because like I I try to make it like people really when I write dialogue I try to make it sound like people really talk and it always just sounds like old movie talk like it's just too much like repartee or something. <laughs> I don't know. It's like yours just seems really natural, but it also gets the job done. Like it's not it's not just people talking about nonsense for three pages that sounds authentic. It's people getting to the point realistically. Which, yeah. I don't know. That's a gift. Yeah, I I appreciate it. Thank you. But but you know, to to your point, like um movie dialogue is still movie dialogue. There're going to be some things in it that people don't say. <laughs> Cuz it's it's even in, in my script like once you see people act stuff out too, you yeah. realize how I don't know what word to use for it, but how um it's 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 a little um trite in a sense the dialogue itself more so than than you think it is but only on like in certain parts because some stuff once you see a person actually say it you're like oh that's kind of lame i don't think nobody would really say say it nor would they say it like that in real life you know it's funny because i've written stuff where I feel like once I hear it out loud, I go, oh my God, that's the worst dialogue ever. And then there's other times where I wrote dialogue that I didn't think was that good, but somebody could really sell it. And I was like, that's what a great actor is. Did you have that experience where you were like, where it went both ways? Definitely. Like, um, matter of fact, I feel like every actor pretty much brought their own thing to the dialogue. And I, and, and I allowed it to be open to that, you know, yeah. like, um, you know, say something that if it feels more natural than what's in the script, say that thing. Yeah. Um, because that might that might work as long as the intention is is there. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the most important thing. And um, even like like the my main actress who who is also <laughs> my girlfriend that plays the protagonist. <laughs> she um oh, but I stepped on chance. She. <laughs> You got to introduce Chance the dog. Yeah, I got to introduce him. I, I stepped on him twice today. Oh, poor Chance. Yeah, I stepped on him like two times. <laughs> I used to, I've had more interviews with people who have dogs, and I just like want everybody to just hold up their dog and introduce them. That's, the, that's been like a good part of pandemic is that you get to meet everybody's dog and everybody's kids. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you, that you would normally. Yeah, everybody's met my kid. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, so all the actors brought something unique, including your significant other, who is your star? Yeah, um, yeah. For for the most part, well, what I was saying about her is that she was just this. This is her first movie, so she was just so hung up on saying the the words exactly right. Yeah, and I told her if it doesn't feel right for you, and it doesn't feel right for your character, just switch it up a little bit. Yeah. You know, and then sometimes 
they'll come to me with like suggestions and things that they feel like their character will say. And I'll be like, no, let's maybe stick to the script, but, but not to, but, but I will also let them know that it was a good idea and I understand why they came with that, but I have to explain why that dialogue does not work in this particular scene. Yeah. Yeah. Because sometimes dialogue can give away too much too soon. Yeah. And that could be a problem. Or if you want to be subtle about something and they're just too um, open about the intentions of a character, then it could be a problem. Yeah. To me, yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that always surprises me when I do interviews, well, it doesn't surprise me anymore, but used to surprise me is I kind of assumed everybody making a movie is a millionaire or their dad's a millionaire. (laughs) And that's just how you do it. You just pour a bunch of money into it. But like talk to me about this process going through, it doesn't sound like you had to like kill yourself to do this. Um, Like writing a script is free. Mm -hmm. Getting actors, like how do you go about that? Like how do you, how did you find them? I mean, obviously you date one of them, so that helps. Yeah. So, so um, my my other producers, they um, they sent out like um, different, sent out like messages and everything to different like casting agencies and stuff that's around the city. Um, you know, posting stuff on social media, pretty much on um, word of mouth. Yeah. Um, and then we we had you know just basic auditions and which went well and and the star was there to read with them. So we can see if there is a, um, a bit of connection even with, during the audition process. Yeah. Um, especially for the, the love interest and for the fiance. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which all went, you know, pretty, pretty well and stuff. And, and I was just, I think the thing that I was the most surprised about was how, excited all the you know the the actors were about the film and the story itself yeah yeah um so so that that meant a lot to me and and it also means a lot to me for them to be shown in a good light you know like because it's one thing i would rather people say that that movie sucks and that director sucks but the actors were good yeah (laughs) then they say like oh that's a pretty cool good director but the acting in that movie is fucking terrible, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah, and if the actors are good, the director can't have sucked. I mean, there might be problems with something, but obviously you're good at directing actors. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. And you did this in Dallas, right? Right, right. Yeah. So really big, really large talent pool. I mean, you're in a huge city. Yeah, um, not as much as you would think. But it was it was pretty good. We had um, some people from Austin and Houston come through for auditioning too. I mean, we didn't know that till they got there. So, yeah. So, and so, in terms of paying people, you're kind of paying something, but you're not paying like thousands of dollars. I mean, this is more for the exposure. Right. Right. Yeah. And this is my first time paying actors too. Yeah. Um, and 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 I think it. I think it's just like with anything in life, you get what you put in. Yeah. So, you know, it's a good investment to have some actors that, you know, that's paid, even if it's not like a, a whole lot, most of them, they, they good to show up just for the exposure and food. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but so, so if you got those people in, you're paying those people, 
that's a plus, you know. I talk to people who are really militant about like, I'm working X number of hours and this is my price and this is what I'll do. And I, of course, encourage people to be that way when they're working on union productions and they're working for a huge corporation. But mm -hmm. when you're essentially working for your friends, I mean, that's the thing you're going to do out of passion, even if the pay was zero. I mean, mm -hmm. you're doing it, you believe in the product. And I don't know, I think the people who are getting their movies made now, especially everything going on are the people who are just making their movies. Like, it's just like, nothing is going to stop me from making my movie. And you want people like that on your team. And, mm -hmm. you know, if the movie succeeds, if you sell the movie, if it gets festival exposure, all of the stuff you want, all boats rise. I mean, that's good for everybody. Right, right. I think, um, I think sometimes, cause, cause I've definitely been like this a lot in my life is that, you know, people get so focused on the, um, the grand thing when they look at movies yeah. and, and not look at like, you know, sometimes it's good. Just, just look at, you know, short films or like even like real well-written TV shows. Right. Like there's some TV shows that's just 30 minutes long where each episode feels like a short film. Oh, absolutely. You know, um, look at YouTube, you know, YouTube creators that's like creating like great content consistently on a weekly to monthly basis you know yeah on on you know little on a super super shoestring budget in most cases yeah. um and just you know and and just do that you know just just at the end of the day if you want to make a movie you just make a movie um yeah. we have we have the technology most stuff you could do on your phone yeah um and that's something that's something I had to realize, you know, just sometimes it's just about making it. And then and if you don't have the money for it, at least write the script. Yeah. At least write a good enough script and find someone or some people that believe in your idea and your story enough to jump on board with you. Yeah. Yeah. I also feel like there's there's always a thing when you first were just like, I'm making a movie this weekend, I was kind of like, you can do that. <laughs> and then I realized it's kind of like when you're when you're watching a movie and there's a character who's like good at chess at the beginning of it, but the main point of the movie is that they're like a biker. And then like <laughs> three fifths of the way through, something really bad happens and they lose their bike and they're stranded, but then they like enter a chess competition and make all this money. It's right. like the thing that you had in your back pocket all this time is that you've been doing favors for friends and working on their movies. Like you've been banking all of this, all of these favors and can now cash in those favors to get yours made. And I just think that's like, to be part of a community like that is the coolest thing. Mm -hmm. Honestly, that's, to me, that's my biggest motivation in doing it. Like, and in, in, because I, I think before I'm a filmmaker, I think I'm a storyteller first and foremost. Yeah. But I like being around other filmmakers. I like being around writers. I like being around, you know, people like you, uh, people like Aaron and stuff like that, but I I don't like being around them, and I have nothing to contribute if that makes sense yeah. to the to the community of creatives. Yeah. And but when you have something, it it feels like you belong within this tribe. Yeah. A lot more, you know. Um, even even when you look at like Comic Con and stuff like that, right? Like it's it's so many people. I think a big part. I, I mean, I've never cosplayed, but I'm I'm assuming a big part of why people cosplay is to feel a part of a community, 
And so yeah. the people who cosplay that like really take that shit seriously and really building their outfits up and stuff like that, they're showing like I put in this creative work to be a part of this of this group of people that yeah. I love and we share um, common interests, you know. Yeah, and I feel like the best way to do that there's that there's that idea of like kind of like the quote unquote redneck version of it is like if a bunch of guys get together, something's gonna die. Cause like <laughs> out without hunting, but right. in like my liberal arts world, <laughs> it's like, we can't get together without making something like whether it's a podcast or like starting a band or making a movie or something. Right. Like, it's just, I don't know the, the collaboration to have a point beyond like, you know, how's your mom? She's good. How's yours? Good. How's your food? Good. What's new at work? Like, it's just, it's, that's just not what life is about for me. Like right. you, you just need projects and all the better if you're making like what you're doing a real project, you know, yeah. like finished film that you'll have forever that can open the doors to more mm-hmm. is incredible. I mean, I don't, I don't know anybody who isn't like from the quote unquote world of film who's just made a film, but of course that's how all those people got into making films. Right. Right. Um, it's kind of like George Lucas. Yeah. When you, when you look at his backstory, it's like film was nowhere on his mind. He was like, what was he like drag racing and shit? Yeah. And then he was like, have you heard this story before? That he almost got killed drag racing. <laughs> right. Right. And so while he's sitting here in a, in a fucking coma, like comatose and stuff, he's, he's thinking, of all these like ideas like this taking them in outer space and shit. Yeah. You know? And and out of nowhere, this guy is a filmmaker. He did he did a um American graffiti. You know? It, it's absolutely insane. And like I'm sorry to laugh at George Lucas almost getting in a fatal accident, but <laughs> that that ends up being the thing that spins his life. That ends up having so much effect on my life, you know, and on your life that he ends up making Star Wars that we're still obsessed with 40 years later is incredible to me. Like, it's just, I don't know. It makes life all worth it. Yeah. I didn't think about it that, that way. Like how his, his near death experience changed so many people's lives. Yeah. Like if his reflexes had been a little bit faster, we wouldn't have Mandalorian. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) Which is fucking awesome, man. I've been really enjoying it lately. I know. It's so good. Man. So what do you want to do next? Like, what do you want to do with this one when it's, and I know you're in the middle of the process, so I don't mean to, well, let me put it this way. One thing I always ask filmmakers is, you know, have you taken a minute to sit back and relax and appreciate that this is done, but I haven't gotten the chance to talk to anybody who's right in the middle of it, like in detail about how it's going. So are you kind of enjoying the process as it's happening? Like, are you enjoying the work? Um, yeah, I guess like yes and no, you know, um, because I, I know the job isn't done yet. Yeah. There's a, you know, there's a few more things we want to do with it. Um, but I am excited about moving on to the next thing. I think it, it kind of becomes an addiction, you know. Yeah. Uh, the, the only downside, of course, when you're an independent filmmaker is getting the money for your films. Yeah. I think my job helps out some. Like, I'm actually one of those guys that don't hate their job. 
<laughs> that's you know that does something creative and then be like um i i fucking hate my job and stuff like that i want to you know just work with my band and stuff yeah. now i don't i don't feel that way i think i look at it as a means to help me find fund my dreams yeah without yeah. having to go to other people you know um i mean i'm, I'm eventually have to but yeah. for like these smaller p- films like the moment you know that was coming from my pocket and but I was able to do it because I was blessed enough to have a job that can help me make that a possibility. But also, you know, saving money. <laughs> you you can't be no top top spender trying to make a independent film, you know. I mean, when I look now at all the stuff I didn't do when I was twenty, because I was like, well, that would be two hundred bucks. Like, I'm not gonna spend two hundred bucks to get and a four track recorder. So I'm never going to record these songs. And that's just, you've just got to spend it. Like you've got to find a way to do it and make it happen. Even though it seems, even though it seems like a bad short term financial decision, like it will haunt you if you don't do it. It will. Because because now you got $200, you could buy. Huh? $200 now feels like, it feels like it buys a lot more than it used to. Let me put it that way. Right. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like it's kind of like you you could have the the passion to to where to to have to if you had that thing you would have recorded music, right? Yeah. I'm sorry, I was stuttered a few times because I was trying to get it out. But then the future you has the money to buy it, but don't really care about buying it. You know. Yeah. And the future you has all these songs stuck in their head and they're like, I should have recorded that. I mean, all I can say is thank God for GarageBand, the thing we edit the podcast on. Oh yeah. <laughs> now I can go back and like try to try to make things I could have made much better when I was, <laughs> you know, 25 years ago. Exactly. I I think my thing is just that, that see, you still have it in you that you will go back and record it. Right. But I feel like sometimes the older we get, the more we forget those things that we love to do. Yeah. And you lose that, that passion and sometimes a bit of your creativity. I think you just get tired. I mean, especially if you have kids, you're just so, and your job gets more, you know, demanding of you. And yeah, I mean, it's like when you have the creative energy, you have to get the thing out. And even when people are like, Oh, I'm 30, I'm so old. It's like you're gonna when you're 40, you're gonna think you were so young. Like if you're 45 now, when you're 60, you're gonna be like, oh my God, why didn't I start playing piano when I was 45? I'd be amazing right now. <laughs> really? Yeah. And and the reason why, because you like you said, you felt like you was too old when you was 45. Yeah. Sometimes. It's, like that's the thing, you know. You have to you have to just do the thing. I just love that you're doing the thing. Like and you're also doing it at the hardest possible time to do it which yeah. was there something, I mean, I know you said that, you know, not having distractions got you to write, which is, I guess the most important starting point, but was there anything else like about COVID that made you just like, I'm going to not put this off anymore? The, you know, being quarantined for the time that um, we were quarantined here in Texas, which didn't seem that long. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, I didn't have any distractions. And I think what happened so is that bleed that bled in into the rest of my life, the rest of the year, 
Yeah. Um, even once the quarantine was lifted. Yeah. Because like I would, I, you know, I would go to bars randomly or, you know, just, just do stuff that were, you know, kind of distracting me from doing the thing I really should be sitting down doing. Yeah. But, you know, when you're quarantined at home, it's like, you know, but, but you can only watch Netflix and play video games <laughs> for so long, you know, and do push-ups and shit. Like, <laughs> like I was, I was tired. And then I just, it's just like, I, I felt the energy. It kind of made me feel like when I was a kid again, when I had like limitations based off, you know, whatever situation I was then, and I would just sit down and just come up with stories. Right. Yeah. And I just, like I said, I just think that just, and then I create, started, you know, a habit of writing. And once I was finished writing the actual script, I just replaced that habit with reading over the script or, you know, doing deep dives with the characters and, you know, following up on certain things as far as what we need to go ahead and move the movie forward, you know, just stuff like that. So I guess you could say that the, being quarantined had helped me cultivate healthier habits. Mm. You know, that, that totally makes sense. I mean, I can think of when I lived in New York and I was trying to finish a novel and every weekend there was something and there was some good excuse like, Oh, it's the Kentucky Derby this weekend. I can't write. Right. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It was, that didn't get finished that book. Um, so if this is if this gets too personal and you uh, you don't want to get in uh, any trouble at home, you know by all means feel free to call this off. But what was it like working with your girl? I mean, was that how how was your dynamic? It was it was pretty cool. Um, well, first we didn't let like the rest of the um, cast know because oh, well. we thought we thought it'd be a little little awkward, especially with you know her having you know, more intimate scenes and stuff like that. Um, it was cool. Like, it, it had its pros and cons. I think, so afterwards, I was telling her, not even afterwards, but sometime in between, I was like, I don't think I want to work with you again. I think it'd be... <laughs> and, and, and I told her, I feel like we both need experience under our belts before we work together again, you know? Um because I was I was thinking about like Tim Burton and his um oh, I can't I can't remember yeah yeah you know they always did films together but they were already like professionals at this point right and so my my only problem was that it was certain things that I felt that she complained about yeah that if she was not involved with me she wouldn't come to me as a director about these particular things yeah yeah but but on set the dynamic was pretty well because i had um i talked to her and we went over lines together so much like she had the script in the beginning so we sat down and we went back and forth and she got mad at me and you know got a you know us go back and forth so much so we got that all of that energy out of the way so by the time we were actually shooting you know it was more like director actor relationship by that time point. Dude, that's amazing. I mean, my, my wife and I, we used to trade things to, we used to sort of pass each other notes back and forth on stuff that we wrote and it could get so, it could, it could just get brutal. 
I mean, <laughs> it's really because you want to, you do it out of love. Like you want somebody's thing to be as good as it can be. But also if you think that the person you're with doesn't think what you did is good, that's really dicey. So just congratulations. I mean, on navigating the hardest part. I mean, to get, to get the film in the can and to have gotten along through that process. And most of all, to have it not bleed over on the set is a huge accomplishment in itself. Mm-hmm. And then I told her too, like, she was so concerned about messing up and like messing up the movie for me and all of this stuff. And I was telling her, man, look, I think I told her I think she awesome. Rather she do a good job or not, she's already doing a great job. You already doing something that most people are afraid to do. Yeah. Um, the majority. How many people could say they act in a short film or any anything in general? You know. Yeah. Um, so I don't know, I, and I think it's hard to make movies. Like that's why I, I start to feel like no movie literally just sucks to me anymore it might be movies that i just personally not don't like but the fact that you went through all of this to make this film yeah put this out there i i congratulate anybody that does that you know and you put yourself out there to be judged too you know to have your art torn to pieces and you know people either praise it or say that it's shit and you gotta take both of them right so no, it's a brave thing to do. It's a brave undertaking. Did you find yourself? I mean, we, we get on here like almost every week and talk about whether TV shows and movies are good or bad or whether we like them or not. I mean, did you find yourself starting to pull your punches more like as you got into the process? I think a little bit, yeah, because I started thinking about, you know, certain stuff. Now, there's certain things that just don't work. Like, you know, some stories just don't work that well. <laughs> yeah. or, or they could you know use some work but the the process of making the film itself yeah you know there's a there's a lot that goes into that you know i was me um my girl started watching for it's her first time watching game of thrones oh yeah so we're on the last season and so spoiler alert for people who <laughs> Which we talked about it before, but so she finally saw the um, whole thing, the longest night, and you know Arya killing the Night King and stuff, right? Yeah. And she was like, pretty much like, this is some bullshit. I didn't <laughs> wait it this whole time. And now, mind you, she didn't watch it. There was no gaps in between. She binge. She's been binge watching it with me <laughs> every weekend. She comes over. It's Game of Thrones. Yeah. Like and I was like, damn, that must be a nice experience. But she she watched it up until this point, and now she's like, I don't even know if I want to f- continue watching this. Oh my I'm god, like, you're a little too hard. I'm talking about this. She hasn't read any comments. She don't know anything else coming up. She already just off that. Like this doesn't make any. This doesn't make any fucking sense. <laughs> but I'm I'm the whole time just amazed at how they put that whole thing together. Like even just that episode. That yeah. that episode in the Battle of the Bastards. Yeah. I I still defend that show. I mean, I know that people got mad at it, but I think especially if you watched it the way you guys watched it, it does make sense. It did to her. She was pissed off. But, <laughs> but I, I think with her is more like you build up this big bag and he, he gets shanked, you know. 
<laughs> that's how he dies. Uh, I yeah, I don't know. I I just have a different criteria for indie movies and these multi-million-dollar, huge-budget movies. Like, I feel like if you're making a Batman movie, you have no excuse for it to be bad. Like, it has to be absolutely great. Mm-hmm. If you're making an indie movie, like, you know, we just saw. Um, God, what's it called? Residue. When Residue didn't ever show the cops, they would just like show the voice of the cops or show a light or something like that. And you could go like, oh my gosh, what a, you know, what a cheap way to do the cops that was. But I thought of it more as like, what an ingenious way to save, you know, $50,000 and put it to some better use. It didn't take away from the story at all. Um, Jim Cummings was saying he's, he's the guy who made Wolf of Snow Hollow and, uh, um, Thunder Road. He was saying that he thought he needed a police station for one scene, and then he realized what he actually just needed was like a wall with a blue stripe that would represent police and like a bulletin board with police stuff on it. It's just, I have so much respect now for anybody who can find a good way to move their story along while saving money um, and actually respect that more than that's the most amazing CGI robot I've ever seen. Right. I think that's one of, been one of the biggest problems sometimes with Hollywood is that they nowadays and for the longest is that they rely so heavily on uh, the effects, for example, and the 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 camera work and all that stuff. Like like a lot most most movies look good. Yeah. Um. Now, as far as the actual story, that's a whole different thing in itself. Yeah. That's why I like I think if a person ever if a person really want to be a filmmaker, because my father used to always tell me this is you have to go back and watch older movies. You gotta go back, watch stuff from the fifties and the sixties and stuff like that. You gotta go watch foreign films and stuff because those movies relied heavily on story and character. Yeah. Um because there's nothing else that that will wow the audience, you know, at that time, right? Yeah, you you couldn't cheat. I mean, you didn't have, you couldn't make the CGI robot. Right, right. Especially when you think of like black and white movies, at least when things were in Technicolor, it just looked, you know, was just nice to look at, you know what I mean? (laughs) Like, like you said, I I could imagine like how people felt when they first saw Wizard of Oz. (laughs) Like, what was that like? That was like us seeing Avatar for the first time or some shit, maybe. Can you imagine like <laughs> what the world was like before that? Right. Just was everything slower? I don't know. It's hard to, I feel I like. Don't, I don't know. Um, that's, that's, that is interesting though. I, I don't, I guess people didn't spend as much. I'm sure. I don't know. I can't say, I was going to say they may not have spent as much time watching TV, but then I thought about it. Nah, I'm sure they was watching a hell of a lot of TV. They just didn't have streaming though. <laughs> they were like, stop reading those novels and go outside. Those novels, right. nothing for you. <laughs> exactly. You listen to radio. Uh, was it, was it the long ranger and shit? <laughs> There was one time, I never told you about this. I was in a coffee shop and this dude comes in, he's like 70, 75 years old. And he sets up his laptop and just starts like playing it at full volume. And everybody's turning around and like staring at him. Like, you you know, you can't do that. Like, I don't care how old you are, you can't do that. Um, And then we realized that what he's watching is like the 1950s Lone Ranger show. Oh, wow. 
and he's just watching like the the old show from when he was a kid full blast and we were all just like all right yeah let him have it let him have it It'd be cool <laughs> right right um but yeah. those those movies man like a lot of those old movies i i, I remember we were talking about the apartment oh yeah and um, I was thinking about how much uh, inspiration, like, that's one of those movies I've probably seen. Because, like I said, I'm not just a huge fan of romance films, yeah. but, like, romance movies like that, that speak to me, you know? Yeah. I think it's something more realistic to that than, like, your, you know, your, um, your everyday, like, rom-coms and stuff like that. Yeah, with that movie being 60 years old now and realizing that our grandparents were going through all the same stuff we did is, oof, that movie's incredible. Everybody should see The Apartment. Yeah, The Apartment is incredible. I, also, around the time when we were quarantined, I watched On the Waterfront for the first time. Oh, dude, that guy's last name is Malloy. I love that movie. Man, that's a good-ass movie, man. <laughs> It, and it's like, I, I, I would have never watched it if I didn't hear Spike Lee talking about it. He said that's his favorite film. Really? And, yeah, in one, in one of the master classes. He said it's, it's, was, it was part of his inspiration when he was writing um, Do the Right Thing. Wow. Yeah. I guess you can see it. Wow, that's cool, though. Yeah. Man. What were your inspirations on? Oh, sorry, I'm in the... No, 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 I wasn't going to say much. What were you about to say? Well, what were your big inspirations on this? Like, was there anything you looked at? Because I can't think of, I can't think of a movie I've seen recently that reminded me of your movie. Um, no, not really. Um, no, I can't think of nothing. I was, I just thought about like, I, I didn't want to make something that was as, you know, typical in a sense. Yeah. I want people to, you know, kind of, kind of, you know, guess or think about like what happens. Cause even how the movie ends, you really don't, you really don't know. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Did I just give away the ending to my film? <laughs> but but the thing... I don't, I don't think so. Cause I feel like, I mean, when I finished it, I went, you could keep going with the story. Like you could actually do the second half of this movie and it could definitely, you know, if you wanted to pad it out and have more stuff at the beginning and things like that, this could just yeah. be a feature on its own too. Yeah. If somebody give me some extra money, I might just be able to do that. Well, now but, you got a concept though. Mm -hmm. I mean, now you've got a thing you can go show people. That's how Thunder Road got made. I mean, he made that as a short and then got, got the money to make it into a feature. Yeah, you'd be surprised how many movies got made that way. It's crazy. So it's I think there's so many good things to like draw inspiration from, uh, so many good films. And and I'd say the ones that I wanted, when I think of like good romance movies, I think of Annie Hall. Oh, yeah. Um, there was this one... Of course, like the apartment, and then I I really really love the Silver Line and Playbook. Oh, dude, that movie's great. And and even uh, I don't know. This is this is kind of like your you know everyday kind of romance movie, but um, A Star Is Born, the one that Bradley Cooper just recently did. That was good too. 
it surprised the shit out of me. Like I didn't, it's, I was, I was seeing it with this, with this, this girl. Yeah. And I was just like, okay. I mean, I like Bradley Cooper, so, you know, it might surprise me. And then I was like, oh shit, I'm crying. <laughs> you know, I saw that movie, the whole theater was guys who were sitting like slumped over, like, oh man, I have to do this. Cause like, she's making me go. And at the end of it, we were all like, okay, that was fucking absolutely great. Like I can't, <laughs> but, but the thing too about the Star is Born is that it has a, it, I feel like it has a deeper message than the love story itself, right? Yeah. Because a lot of it too is like, I don't know how to put it in words, but it's, it's kind of like you have one character that represents this old form of art or music, yeah. music in this case. Yeah. And then you got this this other person that he brings in and they both, if you could say they both represent music. Yeah. And and they both um, are, you know, intertwined in love with each other, but they have a different way, a different flow to them, you know. Yeah. But then at the end, the old dies and the the new one lives on, but it's not, it's, it's almost like it's not the same after yeah. the old dies he just can't adapt somehow, but also there's like this period of what he does. Right. That's a, yeah, it's a heartbreaker. I mean, that thing's also, I mean, we've talked about this, like as somebody who quit drinking, like there's parts of that movie that are just painful to watch. Like mm -hmm. the way he's so, the way he just cannot escape from booze and like sometimes it's okay and sometimes it's not. And it's just, it's just a really realistic portrayal of it. Like he, yeah, I love that movie. They did a great job. Yeah, they definitely did. Um, yeah, so it's just so much to take from those, you know, those type of romance films, right? But then if you got something that's just about the love itself, I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's cool. It's entertaining, you know? It's it's kind of like what we were talking about when we were talking about horror films, right? How yeah. now we're in this this renaissance of horror films. But I think what, what make these horror films different is that it's just not about the jump scares it's yeah. not just straight slasher stuff but you have characters that's dealing with a dilemma you know and you know making like moral choices and stuff like that you won't always see in most horror films you know that to me is the mark of a great movie where you're thinking about what's on the screen, but there's also something that's gonna haunt you later. Like the kind of the kind of most obvious version is um indecent proposal where mm -hmm. you're interested in that particular couple, but then everybody leaves the theater going like, well would you sleep with a millionaire for a million dollars? And I think your movie has that quality too because you care about the people who are on the screen, but then you also have that, you know, dilemma of what if there's somebody you almost want to have an emotional relationship with. It's like so much worse and so much you know, harder to deal with. So I think that's gonna, I think that's gonna have some staying power. I think that's gonna resonate with people. Right. Um, and, and, I, and I hope so. Um, and and I, I just, I just think that, that is, it's, it's something too. First off, it, it is a little bit, um, it can be difficult to write a short film over writing a feature because um, you have more time for character development and stuff like that. But what I what I found is if like you you have something just like what you're talking about, like a moral dilemma. Yeah. 
and 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 put those characters like know your characters and you put them in the dilemma and let them respond how they would respond after you know who they are yeah if that makes sense yeah um, i explained that to one of my actors and he seemed to really like he he seemed like he was really getting it but then i was like thinking to myself he probably like this damn idiot i don't know what the fuck he talking about <laughs> <laughs> i just i just asked him one question <laughs> well like on the page you don't get mad at logan i mean usually somebody cheats on screen and you're like they're a bad person but the way you write her and the way you write her dilemma you're not mad at her i mean she's just a human who's in a bad spot yeah yeah, and it, but then on one end, if you write it where someone just wants someone just because they want them physically, and that's pretty much it, that's that's a whole you know whole different thing in itself. But there are people that can relate to that, you know. Yeah, I, I think more so men. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so, not saying that women don't feel that way too, but if I saw a movie where it was a dude that just really wanted this other woman because he was more sexually attracted to this woman and his wife or fiance isn't giving him any affection and stuff and that and that level i would i would get that you know i don't think it would resonate with as many people as logan in a sense but you know is i think sometimes you know some stuff just resonates with certain people you know too i feel like that's like every michael douglas movie before 1995 so I don't know. People, people seem to be okay with it then. They're just like, ah, oh, he's just a lech. You know, he's a yeah. dog. Whatever. <laughs> I didn't think about it. He was kind of like that. <laughs> um, I always ask this, what should I have asked that I didn't ask? Like, what's, what's the thing that you were like, this is, what I, this is what I really want to talk about? I don't know. This is the first time somebody ever interviewed me, so I don't know what other questions you actually asked. Um, we'll be the last. Yeah, nah, <laughs> it definitely won't be. And and we got like a lot of different plans with this. Um, I know you mentioned like what's next. Um, we plan on trying to put together a small like little soundtrack on iTunes and stuff. There'll be original music for the film. And that's something I've never done before. Of course, we want to get this out into film festivals. And like I, I um, for me, I got a couple of more like drama, like romance dramas under my belt that I want to put out there. Yeah. Um, because these, these movies are also for the most part, I don't want to say the use the word easy, but they can be made on a low budget, you know? Yeah. You need locations and people. Yeah. That's, yeah. You know, and, and you can make some, type of, you know, romance films in just two locations, you know? Yeah. Um, so I might, you know, pull out a couple of more of those. Like I got some other ideas that I think um, may be even better than the moment. Um, but I'm also curious to see just how it performs, how the moment performs and what I can learn from it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and, I, and I owe a lot of that to both you and Aaron too, with the script. Wow. Because, well, what I'm saying is, you know, y'all re re read my um, script to that feature, Beautiful Death. Yeah. Like the, the critiques that y'all gave me for that, I took it on to the moment. And I don't it, think I was that critical. <laughs> no, it, well, you, you, you weren't that critical, but you said something that was critical. 
And it was like, I, I can't remember the exact words, but it was like pretty much starting the story as soon as possible. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's true. I was. You remember that? What what yeah. what you said? Yeah. And and I and I kept those things in mind. Um, there was also some stuff that Aaron said about dialogue. Huh. Um, where um somewhere in the in the middle of the feature that I was writing, all the characters sound the same. Oh, interesting. So, so I I I forgot what their voice was. And so with the moment, I wanted to make sure that they all had like a distinct voice. You know, we don't really have too many characters in it, but I wanted you to be be able to know based off how this person said something or what they said that this is who this is, you know, for yeah. this brief little moment that we're spending with them, you know. And um, totally succeeds at that. I mean, God, yeah, everybody is really well drawn and really specific. Like you can you don't need to know what name is above the line of dialogue to know who's speaking. Right. Right. Which is a great, yeah. I mean, that's when you really got the voice. Right. And I think each project, um, cause me and my partner was talking about this too, about how, you know, you should get better from each project. Yeah. So I think that, like I said, like once I see how it performs, once everything's edited and I really see the movie for what it is, I can look at it, see what's beautiful about it, see its flaws, and then move on to the next thing. Yeah. I guess now this is where we talk to the audience and say, if you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe. Uh, please give us a multitude of stars. Uh, <laughs> follow us on the social medias. Okay, yeah, we're on Facebook and we're also on Instagram at the Low Key Pod. Cool. All right, we out of here. Peace.